Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have the great privilege of welcoming Sydney. Sydney, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you, sir. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you. Thank you, sir. Uh, can you uh, please tell us about your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the current ministry projects that you're working on? Yes, I could do that. Uh, I was born in uh, on April 13, 1935, and I married... My wife, Marie, in 1957. We have uh, three children, and they're all married. We have ten grandchildren, and for now we have four great-grandchildren. As to my education, I um, attended uh, Calvin College from 1958 to 61, then Calvin Theological Seminary from 1961 to 64, and then the Free University of Amsterdam from 1964 to 1970. Mm. After that, uh, six years in Europe, we came back to Canada, and I served two churches there, Clarkson by Toronto, Ontario, and Delta by Vancouver, B.C. Hmm, wonderful. In, in 1978, I was asked to teach biblical theology at Calvin College, and at the same time, I had an appointment to teach theology at the King's College in our hometown in Edmonton. So after one year at Calvin, we got a U-Haul and moved all our furniture to the King's College in Edmonton, where I was the only theologian. So I developed six different courses in theology for the students. In 1990, I was called to teach homiletics at Calvin Theological Seminary, and I taught six different courses in biblical hermeneutics and preaching. I retired in from full-time teaching in 2004, and uh, in retirement from full-time teaching, I'm writing commentaries for preachers. I'm currently working on completing the series of Preaching Christ from the Old Testament. After I completed the textbook, Preaching Christ from the Old Testament, the publisher suggested that I demonstrate my method on a specific Old Testament book, and I selected Genesis because it is foundational for biblical studies as well as theology. Since Genesis is Hebrew narrative, I thought the second book in the series of, of Preaching Christ should be another genre than narrative. So I selected Ecclesiastes, that was wisdom literature. Next came Daniel, prophecy, apocalyptic literature, and then Preaching Christ from Psalms. And that leaves one more major Old Testament genre that I haven't written on, and that is law. So now I am working on preaching Christ from Leviticus. That keeps me busy, and it keeps me happy. There's a reason to get up in the morning. Hmm, wonderful. Um, I have definitely have loved reading. Um, I've read a few of your books and think they're very, very uh, helpful and insightful. So I'm thankful for your work. And we're talking today about another book that you've that you've just recently written um it's it's forthcoming um here at the end of uh next month uh, from christ to cosmos creation to new creation why why did you write this and how do you hope it's received the uh, the title of the book is from chaos to cosmos uh, and then the subtitle is creation to new creation um the editors of crossways short studies in biblical theology invited me to take part in this series and they sent me a list of about 40 to 50 themes from which I could choose. And somehow the theme 
chaos order piqued my interest. It's a theme one can trace through the scriptures from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Writing from chaos to cosmos has been an exciting, eye-opening journey for me. Uh, I, I think this book will be well received, especially since it can be used not only by preachers for preaching a series of sermons on this topic. It can also be used by lay people, either individually or in small group Bible study. Each of the 14 lessons ends with a series of discussion questions. Yeah, um, I, I just, I love this series. I think it's just incredible. Um, I studied, you know, the Bible in, in seminary. Um, I got a degree in, in, in the Bible. Um, and, uh, I just, I just find it so fascinating. Um, I, I learned something new about this, even though I studied at the seminary level. I just, uh, I think it's just an excellent series. What did you, what did, as you wrote this book, as you prepared to, uh, to write it, did you, what did you learn, um, as you, as you wrote this book? I learned uh, many, uh, new things, but, in particular, uh, what struck me is once you uh, are aware of the chaos, from chaos to cosmos theme in the scriptures, the familiar passages in the Gospels uh, throw another depth dimension that I was not aware of before. And uh, I can give you an example of that a little later if you wish. Oh yeah, that, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. What's your, what's your definition of the chaos and the cosmos? Yeah, that is... Uh, the editors were really concerned about that, that uh, I defined that clearly. The Webster offers us a, a good initial definition of chaos. They define chaos as the infinity of space or formless matter supposed to have preceded the existence of the ordered universe. Uh, as a Christian, I would leave out the supposed to have, and I would just make a the chaos is the infinity of space or formless matter preceded that preceded the existence of the ordered universe. And Webster also helps nicely with uh, cosmos, which it defines as the word or the world or universe regarded as an orderly, harmonious system. The uh, Hebrew uses a variety of words for chaos and cosmos. Genesis one reads, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." That is the cosmos, which God pronounced good six times and very good the seventh time. So cosmos is what is good, harmonious, very good. Genesis 1 verse 2 backs up to the earliest stage in God's creation of the earth and uses five words for the primeval cause chaos. The earth, it says, was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. These words will be used in later scriptures, either individually or in combination, to refer to some form of chaos. Genesis 1 adds two more words that refer to chaos. Verse 10, seas, and verse 21, great sea creatures, or sea monsters. So we have a total of seven words in Genesis 1 that refer to chaos. And what stands out in these seven words is that chaos is without form, void, a lifeless wasteland, in other words, darkness, and waters. Now this original chaos was not evil. God created it. In fact, God called the seas and even the great sea monsters good. But after the fall into sin and God's curse of the ground, chaos became evil. God banished our ancestors from paradise, which was cosmos, and sent them east of Eden, where they would have to cope with many forms of chaos, evil chaos now. Enmity with Satan and his demons, pain in childbirth, toil in aching out of living horns and thistles, and finally death, all forms of evil chaos. Mm. The 
New Testament uses some of these same words for chaos, but it focuses especially on the contrast between darkness and light, and it centers the chaos cosmos theme primarily in the battle between Satan, the prince of darkness, and Jesus, the light of the world. That's uh, very fascinating. How does uh, studying the chaos cosmos theme from Genesis to Revelation help Christians to develop a biblical worldview? When we trace uh, the chaos cosmos theme from Genesis 1 to Revelation, it takes us along the biblical storyline, creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. And this in turn will deepen our understanding of the relationship between God, humanity, and the world. In other words, the biblical worldview. The chaos cosmos theme reveals that God is the sovereign creator who in the beginning created chaos, good chaos, and then with his powerful word ordered the chaos into an orderly, harmonious cosmos. This theme also notes that God created you created human beings in his own image and gave them meaningful work in a peaceful garden. Paradise was 100% cosmos. But then Satan, the instigator of chaos, tempted our ancestors to disobey God's command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate and immediately chaos entered God's good creation. They knew they were naked. They lost their innocence. They hid from God. Adam blamed the woman God had given him, and she blamed the serpent. And then God's judgment added even more forms of chaos. God cursed the ground, and as we mentioned, he instituted pain in childbirth, pain in economical living, thorns and thistles, and finally death. But after the chaos of the flood, God promised to maintain the regularity of nature. God said, while the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So today we live in a world that still shows remnants of God's good cosmos, even while it is shot through with evil chaos. In the New Testament, the chaos cosmos theme reveals that God so loved the world, the cosmos in Greek, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, which would be chaos, but have eternal life, cosmos. Early in his ministry, Jesus was tempted by Satan. Jesus withstood the temptation, and thus, according to a little allegory or a parable, binding Satan so that Jesus could free people from Satan's dominion. Jesus cast out demons, healed the sick, raised the dead, and finally rose from death himself. The light of cosmos was breaking into the darkness of chaos. When Jesus comes again, the light of cosmos will completely banish the chaos of darkness. In Revelation 21, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, cosmos, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea, interestingly, chaos, was no more. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So it's cosmos as in paradise. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death, that is chaos, shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. All forms of chaos, for the former things have passed away. Mm. We look forward to that day when all forms of chaos will be banished, and pure cosmos is restored. The sovereign God is faithful to his creation, and will restore it to the orderly cosmos he intended in the beginning. Amen. How does the Chaos Cosmos theme help Christians to read the New Testament in light of the Old Testament? Uh, as I mentioned in uh, tracing the Chaos Cosmos theme to, 
through the scriptures, I was amazed at how it provides a deeper understanding of familiar gospel narratives. I'll just uh, give you one example. We read in Mark that one evening Jesus and his disciples were crossing Lake Galilee in a small boat. Suddenly a great storm arose, whipping up the waters. The mighty waves crashed into the boat and filled it with water. The disciples, who were experienced fishermen, were terrified. They woke Jesus, who was asleep in the stern, and shouted at him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Chaos. Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. Cosmos. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea, chaos, obey him? Mark says that Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. The word rebuke is also used in Psalm 104, verse 7, of God in the beginning rebuking the chaotic waters. At your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. Who then is Jesus? Jesus is the one who, like God in the beginning, can turn chaos into orderly cosmos. The word rebuke is also used in Psalm 106, verse 9. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep chaos as through a desert. Who then is Jesus? Jesus is the one who can rebuke the sea and save his people from chaotic waters. That's uh, that's really wonderful uh, connection about you know the authority of of King Jesus, his authority over all all things. It's just wonderful to to think about that. In in what way does uh, the chaos cosmos theme help Christians get a better understanding of the already and the not yet of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus? Again, uh, tracing the chaos cosmos theme through the biblical storyline of creation, fall, redemption, new creation, uh, we become more aware of the already not yet tension in the scriptures. After the fall into sin and God's judgment, many forms of chaos invaded God's good creation. Separation from God, pain, sickness, death. But God promised in Genesis 3.15 that even though the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head, a fatal wound. In other words, God predicted the eventual victory of the seed of the woman. But meanwhile, God's people in the Old Testament had to live with the already not yet tension. With Israel's victories over Satan and his henchmen, Israel experienced the already of God's promise. But it was only a partial fulfillment. The complete victory was not yet. When Jesus began his ministry, he preached, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15 And Jesus showed how near the kingdom of God had come. He healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead. He restored cosmos for many people. That was the already of the kingdom. But there was also the not yet of the kingdom. Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from death. But later, Lazarus would die again. Chaos had not been completely overcome by cosmos. That will have to wait until Jesus comes again. We read in Revelation 12, verse 10, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, Satan, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. When Jesus comes again, Satan, the instigator of chaos, will be thrown down, and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ 
Hmm, wonderful. So, so it really helps us to get a, a really, uh, a fuller picture of, of all that, that Jesus did in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Right. That's, uh, the nice bridge that the, this particular theme and others, uh, reveals. Hmm. Um, you know, you've written so much on preaching and, uh, pre- well at that, at, on, on this topic to, to help pastors and those kind of things. So, what are what are some uh, effective ways to preach on the chaos cosmos theme? Uh, I should think that an effective way for preachers would be uh, to use this book to preach a series of sermons, uh, the chaos cosmos theme. Uh, in fact, in the last chapter, chapter four, I provide the foundations for a series of seven sermons on seven early foundational preaching texts along the chaos cosmos trail. The texts are from Genesis and Exodus. I provide the theme of each text and suggest different ways of moving forward from the text to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Preachers could use these texts either for an independent series of seven sermons on the chaos cosmos theme or to introduce this theme to the congregation for their subsequent study in small group Bible studies. The more ambitious project would be to preach a series of 14 sermons, starting with Genesis 1, uh, 1 verse 1 to 2 verse 3, and ending with Revelation 22, 1 to 17. I suggest 14 preaching texts and provide the theme of each of these 14 passages. The effectiveness of a series like this can be much enhanced if each sermon is followed by small group discussions on Sunday evening or during the following week. This way, the pastor, through his sermons, can lead the congregation in studying the chaos cosmos theme from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. What would be would it be the the goals of such a series? How would that how would that help people that hear that series? Such a series would be uh, to inform uh, the people about the theme, to see the unity of Scripture, to see the centrality of Christ in the Scriptures. Yeah, there are many ways in in which I think uh, the readers of this book would be helped. Um, it will deepen their understanding also of the original creation and what the coming creation, the new creation, will be like. And the Chaos Cosmos theme will further make the readers aware of the various forms of chaos caused by the fall into sin and God's judgment, but it will also make them aware of God's sovereignty over chaos, turning chaos into cosmos or microcosmos merely by speaking the word. Finally, I think uh, this book will make the readers more aware of God's faithfulness to his creation, God's grace for his fallen creatures, his aim to deliver them, and by making ever new starts, his intent to restore his creation to the cosmos he intended it to be in the beginning. Well, Sydney, as we wrap up this conversation today, um, do you have uh, do you have any takeaways that you want readers to take away as they go ahead and, and pick up your book? Yes. Yeah. Wonderful, sir. Well, I very much appreciate the time that you've given to me today and also to our listeners. Um, it's been very interesting, and I, I just want to encourage our listeners to to pick up your book um, and, and the other books in this series. They're just very fascinating. They will help you uh, for all the reasons that our, our guest today 
said um, to to grow in in your understanding of the Bible and and um, and learn to read Scripture as a as a unity. So thank you so much for your very thoughtful and and careful and pastoral answers. I very much appreciate it. Well, thank you for this interview, and I hope the uh, your readers will enjoy the book and learn a lot from it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash servantsofgrace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.